Much has changed in the 84 years since the inaugural World Cup tournament held in 1930. National teams have risen up and fallen down the rankings. Some peaked long in the past. Some are building to peak in the future. But for the first time this week, we'll look at a nation that has been a fixture on the top tier of world football for the history of world football. The proof can most easily be seen by comparing the result in the first World Cup in 1930 to the most recent World Cup in 2014, matching runner-up finishes. In between, they've reached incredible heights with two World Cup victories in an eight-year span, but they've also had remarkable consistency, getting into the knockout stage of 10 out of the last 11 World Cups. And they are driven by their stars. For their 1978 Cup, the focal point of the team was Mario Kempes, a star striker who won both the golden boot for the most goals and the golden ball for the top player. And eight years later, Diego Maradona scored the goal of the century while guiding his country to their second cup, for which he also won the golden ball. For a star of this nation, it is not enough to be great. You also must win a cup for your country. And that weight falls squarely on the shoulders of Lionel Messi. A spectacular talent referred to by many as the greatest ever, Messi strikes fear into his opponents with his magical left foot and seemingly impossible ability to navigate through defenders. In 2014, he matched his great compatriots by winning the Golden Ball as the World Cup's top player, but he failed to deliver the cup. Once again, hopes are high for both this nation and Messi himself, who desperately wants to cement his legacy as the greatest player ever for his country. But to do that, he'll have to win the cup. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Argentina. Joe Picks a World Cup Team the state's no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, before we talk about Argentina, it's past midnight. You know what today is? It's transfer deadline day for the January transfer window, Dan. Oh Huge my day in soccer. Is Messi going anywhere? No, Messi's not going anywhere. But let me tell you some big things we're watching. First of all, is Gareth Bale going to go to Manchester United? Probably not. But so wait, by the time everybody listens to this podcast, all of this will be like five days old news. Uh, yeah, possibly. So what are your predictions, Joe? Just get them on the books right now. What's going to happen today on transfer day? Well, I mean, okay, I will say January transfer deadline tends to be a little bit slow. I don't think anything big's going to happen. Tottenham Hotspur looks like they finalized a deal for this uh, for Lucas uh, from PSG. Nice Brazilian. We'll talk about him in the Brazil episode, I'm sure which is a nice move for them. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing that happened this transfer window is Man City signed um, another defender. I just read this headline. They are spending more on their defense than the GDP of 52 countries. Wow. Wow. 
It's ridiculous. But I mean, by that metric, I'm sure like the top NFL quarterback gets paid more than the GDP of like a bunch of countries too. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. It, well, I mean they paid they paid hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Not this isn't salary. This is like transfer fees. Oh, all right. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of money. They're paying a lot for their defense, uh, and they're gonna win the league because of it. So whatever. Um, but I, I mean. Any transfer involving Gareth Bale would be huge. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, it would be shocking news for a January transfer window. Joe, I'm not an actual fan. I'm only a fan of national team football, and you can't transfer that. That's the most important thing. So, Joe, Rob, much to Rob's chagrin, our last episode took forever. This one's already on pace, too. So let's get going. Surgical. Let's talk about the drink. Let's do it. We're going to hit the drink, hit a couple of key mailbags, and jump right into this. Joe, what Dan, are you what drinking? Are drinking? <laughs> Dan, what are we drinking? Well, what are you drinking? I'm drinking what you told me to drink. I'm drinking Fernet. I am drinking, uh, so from Superfan Sean, he sent to us Argentina. He says, Fernet is the most popular drink in Argentina. Which I, I've always thought of as an Italian drink. So, Well, you're, you're reading Sean's mind. Because his next sentence is, it was introduced by the Italians. Oh, okay. Most commonly served with cola. Fernet also seems to be popular in San Francisco. Let me look at this. Sitting on all cylinders here. He says, my colleague went on holiday to Argentina and was robbed at gunpoint on his first night in Buenos Aires. The robber asked him if he was enjoying Argentina, which got a less than positive (laughs) response. That's funny. I had a friend who went to Argentina on holiday and got stabbed in an alley. I mean, I mean that, that actually when I said it I said that's funny but when I said it I realized it's actually not that funny he was fine though I mean I know somebody who went to Rio de Janeiro and was uh, so it was robbed at gunpoint so you know I think there's just dangerous territories down there now Dan are you just drinking your fernet at, like on its own because I much like uh, Sean suggested mixing with something but I I like Fernet, and I really like Fernet in my coffee, which I'm doing right now. Wow, very interesting. So I have gone in a complete reverse. I was I went to the store to get cola, but I don't drink caffeine this late. It's way too mm. late. I mean, it's after midnight. So I was looking for a caffeine-free cola variant, could not find one. So I frantically Googled in the store what was a, another good thing to mix with Fernet, and it recommended ginger beer. So I am drinking yes. ginger beer in Fernet, which... Oh, I I've, bet that's awesome. I've literally yeah, sounds good. never had Fernet before in my life. I opened the bottle. The smell was just like, I've never smelled anything like in my life. And I'm drinking it, and it's like, it's a crazy drink. It, it, it has like an aftertaste that goes on for like one minute after you're done sipping it. <laughs> it's crazy. This is a crazy drink. All right. I want to try it with ginger beer. And next time you're drinking caffeine, you should try it with coffee. It's good. I, I mean, the Fernet itself is a crazy drink. Like, I've had ginger beer before. That Fernet is just a is, it's a very um, I, I, spicy is the wrong word, but it's it's a very um, it's like aromatic, but it, for taste. Yeah, it's very aromatic. It's a very distinctive drink. It's kind of like Jägermeister, but it's like a little more. I don't. know, It's a little more nuanced than Jägermeister. Hmm. Hmm. I agree. I Anyways, agree. it'll right, well, be very interesting to see what the score for that is. Let's open up the mailbag. My intro was about this player. Lionel Messi, and let's just 
read this mailbag about him from super fan, super supporter, fan emeriti, Jack. He says, hey, Joe and Dan, super fan Jack here. And I'm going to say right off the bat that I am on the messy side of the argument. The argument he's referring to is, of course, the great Cristiano Ronaldo versus Lionel Messi argument. More importantly, though, I want to say this debate is in no way clear-cut, and saying so is a massive disservice to both players. Ronaldo does everything you want from a winger. He can shoot from distance, deliver the perfect cross, cut inside to score, two-footed, and is a potential aerial threat. He's your classic forward taken to its pinnacle, a jack-of-all-trades and a master of all. Messi, on the other hand, is a shiny example of footballing genius. His close-control dribbling, incisive passing, and effortless finishing is the kind of play that makes you stop and admire the beautiful game. Messi is a magician, a more specialized player who is just as, in my opinion, the more talented player. They are both generational talents. It's a wonder we get to enjoy them both playing at the same time, and what you prefer is mostly about what you value in a player, in my opinion. I was amused to hear you call Messi a troll-like figure. Please elaborate as I have no idea what you mean. All the best picking your World Cup team. I would have recommended my barely tolerated Scotland, but we didn't make it as tradition demands. As such, I am rooting for Argentina just because I think Messi deserves a World Cup trophy or for Germany because their style of aggressive pass master play is everything I want to see in a team. Mm. Well, you got to send an email about when when the Germany episode comes up. That's going to be a big one. I call Messi a troll-like figure because he's short. (laughs) That's it. I'm a hatist. And, I mean, he has sort of a, like, I mean, maybe maybe Elf is better than Troll, Dan. Yeah, Elf is definitely much better than Troll. But he's uh, an Elf-like figure. He's def- he's definitely an Elf-like figure. Like, he is he's sort of, like, cuddly. Like, especially when he's, like, standing next to players who, like, dwarf him in size. But, look, as I said, I was been a messy stand my entire life until last week when I learned that Ronaldo shares my birthday. And now... As part of being a Ronaldo fan, I also have to diminish Messi, but you it's hard to do, do because mm-hmm. I agree with everything Jack has said. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Messi that I will give Jack credit for, you know, there's some truth to this, is that if you watch a highlight reel of Messi, it's going to be a thousand times more impressive than a highlight reel of Ronaldo. Um, watching Messi like weave in and out of players and do things that like just legitimately do not seem possible. Um, but I still think that Ronaldo's a better player overall and also like in terms of consistency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as uh, the email says, they're different kinds of players. And look, I think the point is very true that like when Messi weaves through the defense and scores some brilliant goal, it's just so fun to watch. And when Cristiano Ronaldo is just in the right spot, to receive a header and puts in a textbook finish, jumping over a defender because he can leap like a thousand feet into the air. It it like doesn't look as impressive, but it's absolutely amazing. The way he can leap, the way he makes the finishes, the way he gets in the right spot, the way totally. he can muscle out people. Yeah, and Ronaldo is so good at set pieces, but it is 100% true that Messi does things that do not seem possible and is and, and has those like, moments of otherworldly brilliance that I don't think anyone else can match. Absolutely. And now, let's just jump right into it. Let's get into the Homeland Handbook and learn a little bit more about this country of Argentina. Lay it on me. The name of a person who lives in Argentina is an Argentine. And they're a group of Argentines who are all Argentine. 
The official language of Argentina is Spanish, though Italian, English, German, French, and a few indigenous languages are also spoken by minorities. The religion. They're nominally Roman Catholic with over 90%. However, less than 20% are practicing. And there are a few percent Protestant and a few percent Jewish. The capital city is Buenos Aires. Joe, you're hot. You're two for two in the first part of our doubleheader. I'm feeling good. Feeling hot? Feeling good? What is the chief export of Argentina? And I shouldn't give you any help because it's fun to watch you fail. But I'm going to give you this little tidbit that I saw. The chief import of Argentina is cars. The chief export of Argentina is not cars. Argentina is, I think, the only country in the world that actually imports cars. So (laughs) they're all just, you know... Which, which actually raises a, a, an interesting question. Is there any country whose chief export is also their chief import? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if cars was both the chief export and import for a country. Beca- I think because they import cars from other places. But for Argentina, their chief import is cars. They are a car importer. I'm sure from Brazil and all sorts of other places, they do not export cars. Cars are not made in Argentina. They make other stuff. What is the chief export of Argentina? So I think I know what it is, Dan. And I've been thinking a lot about my strategy with this. And I think I'm finally getting a handle on it. Even if I'm wrong here, I think I still have a handle on it. I think that it's it's sort of like how like when you're buying a car, they put all the car dealerships next to each other. Or like all the fast food places are next to each other in like a city, right? They're not it's not it's not spread out evenly. I literally I think a, have no idea where you could possibly be going with this. I think, I, no, you can, I think you're confusing the analogy by talking about cars. Unless, are you going to guess cars right now, even though I told you it's not cars? <laughs> yes, it's cars. No, <laughs> um, no, no. It's that, it's, that, it's that things tend to like bunch together. And, 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 and so like, I think my natural instinct would be to say, well, look, if this country, if their chief export is... I don't know. Let's say it was wheat, right? It's not. Is a country right next door? Is their chief export going to also be wheat? And that would be crazy. But then you think, well, maybe because maybe it's like that's just like the wheat area of the world. Mm. So I think Dan, and, and this is kind of roundabout, but I think that much like their neighbor Uruguay, I think it's meat for Argentina. The answer is meat. Yes. No. 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 Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Damn, what the fuck, man? I'm saying your answer was meat. That was a really important misspeak. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I really got your hopes up there. I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. I meant to say your answer. (laughs) And the funniest part about this is you actually said the right answer. I was like... Is it... Is it wheat? It. I would have accepted three answers. Their top export are all agricultural items. And comically enough, Uruguay's second biggest export is one of them. So their top three exports are all agricultural things. 
Number one, soybeans, which, by the mm-hmm. way, produce those oils that Uruguay was exporting. Number mm. two is corn. And number three is wheat. Argentina is the, like, agricultural center of South America. They are just producing, 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 and exporting it to everybody. Joe, and then they're selling all those goods to buy cars. Look, even though I didn't technically get it right, my theory holds true, and I said the word wheat, so I'm giving myself credit. Okay. You know, the, the thing is, I, you are, I think, also right that Argentine meat is a thing. It's just Argentina is such a big country. Right. I'm sure they consume so much of their own meat that they don't actually have enough to export well, it all. And they just export more of other, right? Like Argentina may produce and export way more beef than Uruguay does, but they just are producing more of other things. They're just producing, yeah, it. yeah. That's who fine. knows? I mean, they're, well, who knows how big of a country it is, Joe, except for, Let's get into it. Joe, you're, you're two for three. You can finish tonight with a winning record. One to 32 countries. Where does Argentina rank out of them in uh, population for those World Cup countries? Okay. Argentina's big. Uh, Buenos Aires is a massive city, but it's not, it's not as big as Brazil. Um, and I think it's bigger than Poland. And Poland was four, 15? 15. Poland was 15. Uh, so I'm going to guess that Argentina is 11. Yes. So based on my rules, you would have gotten it wrong. But based on the rules we established in the last podcast, you get it right. You guessed Argentina right on the dot last episode. Not this one. But based on the rules, you get it correct. They are. Do you remember what you guessed last time? I guess 14. You're right. They are number 14. So they're, so so we're talking about the 15th and 14th most populous World Cup countries in this in this doubleheader. Correct. That's amazing. And it is actually fun. We get a, a big you're going to see when we get to these countries towards the top, there start to be some like big gaps between them. So, even though we're talking about the 14th and 15th biggest country in the World Cup. Poland, 38 million people. Argentina, 44 million people. Big jump, 6 million people. Yeah, see, that was kind of my, you know, that was my instinct was that it was much, much higher, which it obviously, you know, is, but there's just nothing, there are are no other teams between that. And we look in the world, Poland was the 37th biggest country in the world. Argentina is the 31st biggest country in the world. So there are a lot of countries in between. It's just... They didn't qualify for the World Cup. Yep. Joe, you're three for four tonight. That's pretty impressive. That's it's a, a good night. It's, it's a good night. It's I'll I'll take it, Dan. I think we've got we'll we'll build off this momentum and let's just jump right into speaking of qualification. Too good, too bad, road to qualification and world cup history. I guess we, we should start in the past. There's almost nothing of significance that I didn't already mention in the intro, so I think we can run right by this. They won in 1978. They won in 1986. They've been the runners-up three times, 1990, 1930, and, of course, 2014. They've made it the knockout stage 10 of the last 11 World Cups. 
the only time they didn't qualify for the World Cup in the last 50 years, no, 60 years, no, 70 years, was 1970 (laughs) when they didn't qualify. And in fact, before that, they didn't even enter. So basically, in the entire history of the World Cup since 1930, when Argentina attempted to qualify, they qualified every year except for one. And, you know, they've won twice. They've been in the finals five times. And again, this is spanning the first edition of the World Cup all the way to the most recent. So we're, we're talking about world footballing royalty. And in our podcast series, this is the first time we're really doing this. Because we, we talked about Uruguay before, which had also won twice. But obviously their peak was far in the past. This is a team that has had peaks all throughout history, and as we'll get into in this category, if they won the World Cup now, it wouldn't surprise anybody. So let's learn about how they qualified. They come out of ball. We already know that. Ten South American teams. They play for four spots plus one intercontinental playoff. So they start off really badly in qualifying. In their first three games, they lose one and have two draws. Then they start going really well. They win four in a row. Great. Then they start sucking again, and they have two draws and two losses in the next four matches. Then they win twice in a row. Things are feeling good, but then a loss and three more draws, and all of a sudden, and if you were following the qualifying, Argentina, you would know, was at risk. So in their last game, they're playing Ecuador on the road, With a loss, they'd almost certainly be out. With a draw, they might have, but were not guaranteed to get the Intercontinental playoff. And with a win, they would guarantee, not that they'd be in the World Cup, but they'd guarantee that they would at least get the Intercontinental playoff. And then, given that the Intercontinental playoff is between them and New Zealand, it's like like essentially a spot, but, but still... They basically went to Ecuador, in Ecuador, needing a win. And look, the thing about the South American teams, obviously Ecuador is not as good as Argentina, but all of these South American teams are good and can perform. Ecuador in Ecuador is not not us playing Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ecuador is is a very capable team, and so the game could not start any worse. Argentina concedes a goal in the first minute. Ecuador. So they're down 1-0 in the first minute. They haven't played a minute. And literally, if they lose, they're out of the World Cup. So after one minute, if the result holds, it's over. And even with a draw, they're, they're still at risk. But then, of course, my former favorite player, Lionel Messi, comes to the rescue. He scores in the 11th minute. He scores in the 19th minute. And he scores in the 62nd minute for a hat trick for the 3-1 victory. And just to, to talk about the brilliance of Lionel Messi, I will describe each of these goals. It's none of this, you know, sometimes you see they get these bullshit like penalty kick goals or whatever. Each goal comes out of open play. The first goal, he takes the ball from about 40 yards out, beats a defender, has a nice perfect pass to a guy on the left wing. Then Messi makes a beautiful run to the left post. The guy crosses the ball into the middle Messi, with the outside of his left foot, makes a perfect one-touch goal right past the goalie. And my favorite part about the goal is that in the 12th minute, 
Messi knowing that the score is now 1-1 and knowing that a draw is not good enough, Messi chases the ball into the back of the goal and immediately grabs the ball and runs it back to to center field for the next kickoff, which I love. That's great. That's great. Like, it's the 12th minute, and Messi, knowing that business needs to be conducted. He wants every minute, yeah. I I mean, that is, I think, my favorite part of the goal. Then the second goal in the 19th minute, just seven minutes later. So Messi's teammate is, is, Messi's making a run, that his teammate overpasses him the ball. It goes to the center defender, who's right at the 18-yard box, lands right at the defender's feet. Messi, of course, doesn't give up on the play. Comes, takes the ball from the defender, right at the 18-yard box, goes a little bit to the left, and as the defender and the left back are converging on him, just hits an absolute laser into the near post, upper 90. The goalie doesn't even move. Like, it's it's... The, the thing that Messi is so good at is just going from dribbling to shooting in a way that I think he just does it so quickly. It, people can't even react to it. It's just amazing. Like, he doesn't wind up for the shot. He's just dribbling, and then the ball's in the back of the net. I mean, the thing that Messi does, and it's, his shooting is part of this, but his dribbling and his, you know, like being able to like juke players is part of it too. It's it's this ability to put put players but especially keepers in a position where if if they don't commit to you shooting right then then he doesn't shoot he just dribbles around the keeper and scores if they do commit to it then then he just you know shoots past wherever the keeper has committed to like like it's it's it really is one of those things where it's like you picture that in his mind there is like um matrix style bullet time that he can just see everything happening slower than it actually is and it's it's Great that you mentioned this because it just feeds right into the third goal to get his hat trick. After halftime, you know, 40 minutes pass, whatever. The third goal is just his own creation on his own. He gets the ball about 40 yards out. He takes on three defenders, dribbles it to the box. He literally just be, I mean, this is just the thing Messi does. That's yeah, I'm just watching incredible. these goals right now as we talk. Yeah. And he sees the goalie as he gets to the 18 yard box because to your point, the goalie is saying, oh shit, Messi's beaten three guys. I'm going to have to come up and and face him. Messi at the 18-yard box sees the goalie is out precariously on the six-yard box, not exact, not where he needs to be. And Messi hits a perfect chip right over, like one inch over the outstretched hand of the keeper, right into the back of the net. I mean, he just makes it look so easy. It's un- unbelievable. He gets the hat trick. Messi, of course, celebrated the last two goals. So you know, knowing that. As long as the the result held, they would be there. Uh, But incredible. He gets the hat trick. With those three goals, Messi finished with seven qualifying goals, which tied him for second in the uh, Inconmable. And with the win, you know, they they, based on the the result in the other game, the the, the other key game was actually Colombia versus Peru. And I, I actually think there might have been some like collusion happening with the game. It, it will be interesting when I do more research for those teams because basically after Argentina was winning, both Colombia and Peru were in a 1-1 draw. And as long as the result stayed a 1-1 draw, both of them would qualify for at least the uh, the Intercontinental playoff. And conveniently, it, it ended up a 1-1 draw. And, and the important part here is that ensured that Argentina would finish with the automatic bid they finished third and again 
going into their last match, they could have easily finished sixth and out of it. But it was yeah. very tight. But they finished third. They got the automatic bid. No harm, no foul. And they're into the World Cup. And of course, for a powerhouse team like Argentina, by far the best team we've looked at thus far. What are their odds? To make it into the knockout stage, 83%. To make it to the quarterfinals, 56%. To make it to the semifinals, 35%. To make it to the finals, 19%. And to win the damn World Cup, 10%. And it puts their overall betting odds at somewhere between 8-1 to to 10-1. to That is by far the best team we've looked at. The, the, the next best team we've looked at thus far is 25-1. to so based on all the teams, they have the fifth best odds of, of everybody, which the, the next best team we looked at so far is Portugal, who had the eighth best odds, and they are absolutely certainly in the top tier of contenders for this year's World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think the question with Argentina is, are they too good? I mean, you're talking about the runner-up in the last World Cup. And, you know, I think, I mean, the road to qualification is interesting. Like, I don't know... Um, if it were any other team, I think you would say, look, <laughs> to barely make it, to be the powerhouse in your in your continent or one of two powerhouses in your continent to barely make it through is sort of a bad look and might not bode well for the World Cup. However, that, that South American qualifying is just so rough. It's such like, like I could, I'm actually surprised that it doesn't happen more often that in Argentina or Brazil don't qualify just based on the fact that there are just a shitload of good teams. And, you know, the one thing that I think really impacts this a lot is just imagine how many of the star players for Argentina or Brazil or other countries are playing in Europe. And the, the, I think you have this like built in advantage that I'm sure there, there are obviously star players on the teams that didn't qualify Ecuador, et cetera. But I'm sure a lot more of those players are playing in their like homegrown South American leagues. It's 18 games interspersed on random weekends when you have someone like Messi who's playing in the Spanish league. They're playing the Spanish Cup games, which every time Barcelona is going to be in the semifinals or finals, right? So they're going to make it all the way through. Playing in the Champions League. I mean, you know, and, and for a player like Messi too, like they don't get that big of an off season because because in the summers their teams do you know their teams go on exhibition matches and like when they're playing exhibition matches around the country everyone wants to see Messi so yeah, he, yeah. so he doesn't get a day off yeah so it's like no wonder and and you know the, the I think the the best part about it is in this do or die game where they have to win Messi, I mean, he scored a hat trick. He scored literally. He scored he seven goals yeah. in all yeah, of qualifying. He, he scored sure. three of them in the last game. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's very, it's very impressive. And I don't. So, so as I was saying, any other team, you'd say, well, you know, they barely qualify. But I actually think it, it it makes this Argentina team a little bit more interesting. And like the fact that they had to fight to get into the World Cup, I I would bet it makes it actually less likely that they'll have a hangover for the first few games. Or that they'll come like, you know, thinking that the that the group stage is like a shoe in. So I kinda like that fact. I mean, Argentina is a little too good. They're a little too good because them making it far in the tournament, unless they win it, them making it to the quarterfinal or semifinals or even the finals for that matter and losing isn't like earth shattering. I mean it's it's yeah. sort of you know, you know, anything short of the 
the semis at least is a huge no, disappointment no. I, I think for an Argentinian. They just were the runners up. Anything short right. of winning the World Cup is a disappointment. Like the yeah. like, full stop. Right. Right. No. No. I agree. I agree. Uh, so this is. I mean, they're a little too good, um, but I do like their road to qualification. So I'm going to say seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. All right. What's next? Now we are going to. You ready? We are going to. Category four. Category four. The top player to watch. And as we know, it's not Lionel Messi. It's not always the top player. It's a young, up-and-coming player. But for a team as stacked as Argentina is, there are multiple incredible talents on this team. And so this is one of them. And this is their young, up-and-coming star, Paulo Dybala. He plays for Juventus. He's 24 years old. A secondary striker, quick, creative, and an agile player with excellent technical ability. Find spaces between defensive lines. Brand new rumors connect him to Manchester United. Due to his creative style of play, pace, talent, technique, and eye for the goal, he has been nicknamed La Hoya, the jewel in Spanish. Dybala was named one of the three finalists for the forward of the 2016-2017 UEFA Champions League season. He has ancestors from Poland and Italy, but decided to play for Argentina. Oh, he would be—he would have been the best player from Poland. <laughs> decided to play for Argentina, but cares strongly about his grandfather's Polish heritage. Get these FIFA ratings. His FIFA 18 rating is 88, and his potential is 93. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's interesting that this is like, I know David always picks like sort of like a sleeper player to watch, but like... You know, this is not a sleeper player. Like this is this is uh you know, for 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 any other team, uh, you know, he would be the best player on on almost any country's team. You know, right now, full stop, not even considering his age and like where he's gonna be going in his career. Yeah, yeah. Uh I mean just to like tell you how I think about this player, so so Tottenham Hotspur are playing Juventus in the um the first knockout stage of the Champions League which was a pretty unlucky draw for Spurs, even though we won our group yeah. against uh, Real Madrid. But we're, it's it's a little bit of a lucky thing because Dybala is injured, so he's not going to be playing in either leg of of our uh, game. So it, it, it's actually like... So you're familiar with Dybala. Oh, absolutely. So no, he's I mean, like, like an international football he star. Is, yes, like, like on the Tottenham Hotspur Reddit page, it was like a top post of like, Dybala will miss both of our games. And everyone's like, oh, thank God. So, yeah, no, he is he is at that that caliber. Well, that's but pretty I exciting, this- I would say, because I think in 2014, you know, Messi could have used a little help. I mean, there was, totally. there was the other guy, whose name I forget, who was pretty good. But, you know, I think especially from the goal scoring, especially like Argentina was having trouble scoring goals, even against weaker sides. I mean, I think against Iran, they had trouble scoring goals. Like, they were really having trouble creating on offense. Well, I mean, I think I think in general, I think all the comparisons we're making with Messi and Ronaldo, I think on the World Cup sort of team stage, I mean, I think the better comparison is Messi with Neymar in Brazil in that like in that Ronaldo is that team. He is Portugal. Yeah. Messi is obviously far and away the best player on on Argentina. But you take Messi out of the equation, Argentina still has a really, really good team. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, look, I mean, I think this is a is one of the top players to watch. I think uh, he's an exciting player, and uh, you know, once Tottenham beat Juventus in um, in the Champions League, I'll feel even better about him. But uh, yeah, let's say uh, eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. I mean, one thing I, I, I'll just I, one question I have, and I'm just saying this as a World Cup fan. You know, I'm a Ronaldo stan. As a as Absolutely. a birthday share, and, and look, our joint birthday is coming up in six days, Joe. I mean, this might post on on my birthday. Although I'm not going to be doing podcast work on my birthday or Ronaldo's birthday. But man, I can't wait to watch. Ar- like, I'm watching every Argentina match. It's just must watch. Hundred percent. Yep. It's and the fact that Dybala is going to be really exciting is just going to be icing on the cake. Like. I'm the fact that there are going to be these multiple superstars, especially and and look, it is stupid that especially me when I played soccer, I was a fullback and and I there's a lot of like technical brilliance to being a fullback, maintaining the line properly, marking guys properly, doing all this stuff, but it's just not flashy and it just doesn't like work on TV. Like what is interesting and you want to see on TV are finishing and our offensive stuff and if you're taking a team that already has Messi and you're adding another guy who's you know a brilliant offensive talent I mean it's why Barcelona is so fun to watch and totally you know this is going to be really exciting to see because you don't always see this on these national sides and they're going to be involved in exciting games they're going to be a fun team to watch they're obviously going to be good. I I totally agree. I mean, even if you're watching to root against Argentina, it's still going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Next up, we have Category 6. The Fan Culture from Fan Emeritus Yannick. The name, Albi Celeste, the White and Sky Blues. A nation that breathes football. You will find empty streets during World Cup games. Football is taken very seriously, almost religiously. Especially older people pray before matches and keep lucky charms during game time. In Argentina, football is more than sport. The main rule to watch games of Argentina, never watch alone. You meet up with friends, you have a big barbecue. And in Argentina, of course, you have that nice Argentinian meat, which you're not exporting, you're Eating in You're the eating country. It for yourself, absolutely. And they like to drink wine while watching the games. Their biggest rivals. Oh, who could they be, Joe? Who could they be? Boy, they got a lot of rivals. Of course, Brazil. Their big neighbor, Argentina, would have loved nothing, nothing more than to win the goddamn World Cup in Brazil. But unfortunately, oh, they and came they were up, so close. They came up a little short. Why not? Uruguay. We know they they Uruguay faced them in the the original World Cup final in 1930. These two nations have played 198 times, the most played matchup in the world. It's insane. Really, that's interesting. How about this? Germany, super fan Yannick. Yeah, I bet Argentina have Germany have met in the World Cup finals of 1986, 1990, and 2014. Argentina won 1986. Germany won 90 and 14. Also, Germany has knocked Argentina out of the last three World Cups. Oh, my goodness. And Yannick notes, he can't stop smiling as he's writing this. 
I don't know if you would call beating a team in the final, knocking them out of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yannick is stretching it to, to put Germany. And look, we have one more. Well, we have. But I get his point. I get his point. One more rival. This is an interesting one. I think this is a little more dated, but England. They've had a lot of heated matches in World Cup history. And, of course, Maradona's hand of God goal. Oof. Mm-hmm. The English don't like that. That's a, a regrettable memory for them. And uh, the chance, Argentina doesn't have one chant. But what they like to do is take popular songs and turn them into chants. For example. Yeah, let's hear one. In this cover of Fortunate Son, they sing about the 7-1 humiliation of Brazil in the last World Cup. Boy, that's crazy that they're singing about the uh, <laughs> the rival doing badly instead of them doing well. I mean, the most popular chant in like a Red Sox game is Yankees suck, right? Yeah. Look, it's all in Spanish. I'm not bringing it up. It doesn't matter. And the, the, <laughs> the last note he has is the quote of the fans, which Yannick is distilling down, maybe with some bias, is, quote, we have Messi. We don't need anything else which certainly was true in that last qualifying game. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough, Argentina. Yeah, look, obviously, like, in terms of uh, football-loving countries and fan culture, I don't think you can get much better than Argentina. I had a friend who went to a soccer game in Argentina, and he was in, like, sort of the the bleacher standing area seats, and he said it was just one of the craziest experiences of his life. Like, I would love like on my like list of things to do like i would love to go to a soccer match in argentina at one point in my life yeah and and look i mean i think that's just i think that's argentina's reputation worldwide so i don't think you can beat that i think their fan culture is a solid eight and a half out of ten all right what's next joe uh category nine category nine joe system of government head of state everyone's favorite okay I always like to learn about it because, honestly, the intro here was all about Messi. I don't actually know shit about it. Now, we're about to learn. Lay it on me. As of 1913, Argentina operated as a representative democracy. Oh, my God. Just like the U.S. Or wait, are we a representative republic? No, we're a representative democracy. That's right. But a republic is is a form of representative democracy. Hmm. Okay. However, since the 1930s, coup d'etats have disrupted this democracy. After World War II and Juan Perón's presidency, recurring economic problems saw the rise of military regimes. Modern politics has been shaped by the legacy of Perón and his famous wife, Evita. Left-wing governments have held power for decades, but recent corruption allegations coupled with the country's defaulting on its national debt have seen the first conservative president elected since 1916. Argentina is rich in resources, has a well-educated workforce, and is one of South America's largest economies, but has also fallen prey to the boom-and-bust cycle. Its people have had to struggle with military dictatorships, a lost war over the Falkland Islands, and severe economic difficulties. The president of Argentina is both head of state and head of government, and legislative power is vested in the two chambers of the Argentine National Congress. Elections take place regularly on a multi-party system, but the Economist Intelligent Unit has rated Argentina as a, quote, flawed democracy. Decades of tax and spend has now shifted to focus on austerity, where major cuts in spending and services take place to balance the books. We wait and see if the country stays on this path or if the military once again impose themselves on the nation. The head of state, President Mauricio Macri, 
Why you might like him. He's a former civil engineer. Reintegration of Argentina into the international community after a string of radical presidents is at the top of his agenda. In 2016, Macri was named one of the world's 100 most influential people and the most powerful president in Latin America by the U.S. news magazine Time. That great Mm. Time magazine we all love and still subscribe to. (laughs) Completely relevant. Time magazine. (laughs) Very relevant. Socially liberal stance on gay marriage. Vastly improving relations with the rest of the world. Why you might not like him. Son of a wealthy real estate tycoon. And elected for his business acumen. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Longtime friends with Trump, despite openly preferring Clinton as president. Oh, no. Well, I mean, that second half is all right. Yeah. Charged in 2010 wiretapping case, which was eventually dismissed, governs by decree to make decisions without getting approval from Congress, made 29 decrees in the first 72 hours of his presidency. Trump allegedly used a phone call between the presidents to push for a long-stalled construction of an Argentinian Trump Tower to begin, and three days after the call, the development group announced the start of the project. (laughs) I mean, that's so ridiculous. It's Everything's so stupid right now. That is, that is a perfect way to put it, Joe. Like, Donald Trump is president to advance his, like, <laughs> real estate interests, which he is doing a, a great job Do you job think, of. I mean, if the U.S. just gave Donald Trump, like, a trillion dollars, would he just stop? Well, a trillion is too much. But I have often wondered that. Like, whatever amount would not, like, completely collapse our economy. We'd have to it, just but... be like... Here's the $1 billion award for being the greatest president of all time. It's a new award Congress just made up. You win, and you don't have to be... I mean, Melania would fucking jump at that in a second. Poor Melania is so unhappy. She's out. She's out. I mean, it's one year in, and she's absolutely 100% She's like not going on trips anymore. She's like, I mean... The news came out that the president of the United States paid off a porn star while after his wife had just given birth and nobody cares, like, except for her. She cares. Like, to her, that was a news story. She's like, Donald, you did what? You've been cheating on me? (laughs) She's shocked. I know. I I, I mean, I, I, I almost would feel bad for her if she weren't. Uh, you know, condoning the actions of a monster. Yes, yes. Uh, Anyways, Dan, you, enough. Of that. Dan, do you know what the lower house of the of the Argentinian Congress is called? The lower house is called. Do you have a guess? It's called the Chamber of Deputies. Ooh, I like that. Do you, can you guess what the upper house is called? Well, you got the deputy, and then you got the um, the sheriff. <laughs> the House of Sheriffs. That'd be fucking baller if it was the House of Sheriffs. No, uh, the lower house of the Chamber of Deputies and the upper house is the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> when are these countries going to use some creativity? It's like all the creativity gets 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 handled by uh, – by the lower house. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Call the, call the lower house whatever you want. You want to call it the Chamber of Deputies. You want to call it the House of Secrets. Whatever. It, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's all cool. The people but in the hey, Senate are just like, just do whatever you want. Just so it's not confusing, everyone called the upper house the Senate. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, hold on. Dan, 
I want you to Google something for me. Well, the real question is, did we invent the Senate? Yeah, like who's the first, well, I mean, who's the first country I think to call the Senate? the Romans invented the Senate. Maybe that's why it's called the Senate. I mean, that's a super that's – a, that's a really good point. I'm glad, I'm glad you caught that before we like needed someone to send us a letter about that. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I want you to do me a favor. Google search Argentina coat of arms. Okay. Now, Joe, you're aware that podcasting is so an what's going audio, on audio medium. <laughs> I know, but I want to describe this to our listeners. Okay, and I there want, is a vine surrounding a... There's a vine. Appearing, two people who are shaking hands, but they are also holding a pole that at the top of it has a hat. And then... <laughs> has a... Has what is... What is... What, what, what in every nation could only be described as a Santa Claus a hat. A Santa Claus hat, yes. And then above it is a sun, sun as it were, drawn by like... Your daughter, or your five-year-old daughter, <laughs> just a circular, correct, correct. yellow with a sun. smiley face on it. Yeah, yes. with a smiley yeah. face and rays coming out of it. So, 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 I mean, I can't even begin to guess the significance of the hat on a stick. <laughs> there's no way. There's, I mean, there's, there's no explanation that says, well, our our country was founded on the principles of, uh, you know, equality. So the symbol of that is obviously a hat on a stick. The question is, is the hat on the stick coming – are they also shaking hands and shaking the hat on the stick or is the sh- hat on the stick in the background? I mean here's here's what I have to picture. I, I have to picture that this is commemorating an actual historic event. So here's here's what went down. The conquistadors came and and much like the the infamous story of like the island of Manhattan was, was bought from the Native Americans for a bead – I have to imagine that the conquistadors came and they bought all of Argentina for a hat on a stick, which the indigenous people must have thought was like some kind of god. <laughs> that's the only that's the only explanation. And this and are this we crest, trying to get Argentinian fans? <laughs> no, and this crest is commemorating that deal making because you know their president's a deal maker, just like Trump. The the crest is commemorating, but just the as great a podcast, who is our Argentina. who is our audience that we're going for? Are we trying to insult the Argentinians, and are we trying to get Brazilian fans? I mean, I don't understand what this crest could be, but the, the your particular interpretation of it seems as insulting as possible. I mean, come up with a better explanation. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. How about this? Christmas is big. It's a very they're they're very mostly Catholic, so totally. on Christmas, everybody you get with family, you shake hands, and in America we have a Christmas tree and we put a star on top of it, but in Argentina, because uh, of of perhaps some of those military coups or whatever, they there weren't enough trees to go around, so they used a Christmas stick, and also, yeah. Yep. Because they could not afford stars, they all just put whatever they had lying around, which is a hat, on it. So it is the Christmas spirit, the stick with the hat, and we're all shaking hands in holiday chairs. And that's what that the wreath, the the ivy around it is a is it's a, a Christmas wreath. A Christmas wreath. Boom. Oh, and Dan, you know, to support your theory, because Argentina is in the southern hemisphere. Christmas is in the summer when it's sunny out. <laughs> and that's the sun. Exactly. Of course. Oh, Dan. Dan. The sun's at the Dan, apex. I mean, 
Smiling down on Christmas. I'm not sure which of our theories is right, but there's a lot of support for your theory. All right. We're back. We've recovered our audience. Speaking of this description, what do you give head of state slash uh, system of government? I mean, with a crest like this, uh, and frankly, I, I, I forgot most of what we talked about, but, um, you know, solid six and a half out of ten. <laughs> the guy's a Trump supporter. <laughs> well. No, no, no. He supported Clinton. But he did get that. Whatever. It's done. Next. Rob is going to be so <laughs> upset. With it. All of our podcasts are taking forever. Number two. Let's rate the group. As mentioned before, what are the odds? Two new teams and two new groups? But yes. That's the case. Group D, Argentina, Croatia, Nigeria, and Iceland. So the stats. Argentina, 56% chance of winning this group. Croatia, 29% chance of winning the group. Nigeria, 8%. Iceland, 7%. To advance, Argentina, 83%. Croatia, 62%. Nigeria, 29%, and Iceland, 27%. So we've got a clear two good teams, two bad teams style of group. The 538 power index, which uses that um, soccer power index, their statistics are almost identical to the uh, betting odds. So 538's in agreement, and here's what 538 says. Argentina is the clear favorite in Group D, but all eyes will be on Iceland who famously beat England in the 2016 Euros on their way to the quarterfinals to see if a country, well, I can't say how many people there are. That'll spoil the later guess. To see if a country that doesn't have a lot of people will go on another magical run, and they may be ready to shock the world again. Iceland's chance of evasing the knockout stage is only 33%, but it will be impacted very highly, because guess who they're playing in the first game? Argentina. How about that for a fun first game? Argentina, Iceland, right away. I mean, that will definitely be the most watched game of the first round in America. Well, I guess, what was the other good matchup we talked about? Uh, Spain versus Portugal. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be pretty big, too. That's going to be, obviously, the, the most watched, but... Argentina-Iceland will be really, really interesting. So what do you think of this group, Joe? Look, I mean, I think I think uh, Croatia is an interesting team. We'll talk about them, you know, when we get there. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I, 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 I'm just giving the numbers. We're glossing over these teams. And, and I think it is, just to say, from my own personal ignorance, and I don't know if you know more, I literally know nothing about Croatia, know nothing about Nigeria, and have a scant knowledge of Iceland. I don't know much about Nigeria, and actually, I feel like they may be something a, a team that we're interested to learn a lot about because the odds makers are actually giving them a decent chance of getting out of the group. Um, Croatia has Luka Modric and a few other really good players, so I kind of know about them. But this this is a group that Argentina should have no problem getting out of. It's actually not the most exciting group. Like, it'd be nice to see another really solid team paired up with them. I mean, yeah. maybe not for Argentina, but like for the sake of the excitement of the group. And Iceland is such like a Cinderella story, but they're a Cinderella story to have made the World Cup. If they actually even win more than one game, which I guess they might have a decent shot against Nigeria, whatever. But well, I like, think this isn't if- a terrible draw for Iceland because they've got Croatia and Nigeria. And again, I'm. 
I am ignorant of Croatia. And 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 look, based on the stats, the fact that Croatia has a 30% chance of winning this group, obviously odds makers are saying they have a significant chance of beating Argentina. Yeah, I mean Croatia's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Croatia's good. Um but obviously, I mean Iceland the the high likelihood is that Iceland isn't going to do anything of actual substance in the World Cup. In which case you're happy that, you know, they're in your group, but it's just not the most exciting group other than just like the fun excitement of the story of Iceland. But I think it's like a four and a half out of 10. Four and a half out of 10. Wow, Argentina's first bad score. Otherwise they were rolling in messy like fashion. Or maybe on Ronaldo-like fashion, as I should say. Yeah, that's right. Next up, we're doing Category 7. Category 7, Atrocities. Thanks to super supporter, fan emeritus, super fan Josh PhD. Modern Argentina's low point was a so-called dirty war from 1974 to 1983 in which a far-right military government terrorized dissenters, particularly left-wing guerrillas, but also labor leaders, protesters, and various political dissidents. Death squads hunted and killed roughly 20 to 30,000 political opponents. The U.S. government indirectly supported much of this violence, as Americans were worried about Marxist guerrillas taking power during the Cold War. In the 1980s and 1990s, things in Argentina improved. Despite political instability and periodic rioting and violence, Argentina is much more stable today, though their current president has come in for some criticism. Things are better now, and we can't blame today's government for past violence, not to mention lots of those persecuted were likely fans of the Argentinian national soccer team. Atrocity <laughs> level, Anaheim Pepper. Well, that's not bad at all. All right. I mean, I'm going to take fan emeritus Josh's uh, word on this one. Uh, let's say 7.5 out of 10. It's a nice score. What's next? The Joker. All right. Let's go to my favorite category. Let's talk about the celebrities. The celebrities. Now, now you should know going into this, and we'll see how well Karsten knows me, there is a right answer to this question for me. It's interesting, Joe. I'm looking at the gold medalist right now, and I it depends what your statement, it, you know, it's a, little, it's a little coded. Like, it's possible that you think it's this person, but it's possible you don't think it's this person. I mean, if you think of this person, it's kind of like a it's a it's a reach, but but we'll get there. One of my favorite celebrities in the world is Argentinian. So we'll see. All right, well, it's probably not this person. You're probably gonna be very <laughs> upset with Karsten. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Lay it on me, Karsten. In fact, if it's if 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 what you said is true, it's gonna be none of these three. <laughs> Because I know it's not the second one, who's somebody who I actually like quite a bit, but I know you don't give a shit about. But anyways, the bronze medalist. Okay. No no um, honorable mention. Queen Maxima of the Netherlands. Yes, you read that right. A Dutch queen from Argentina. Maxima Zoreguita was born in Buenos Aires in 1971 was the daughter of Argentinian cabinet member Jorge Zoraguida. Jorge Zoraguida served under the... God damn it, fucking... Jorge Zoraguida served under General Jorge Rafael Videla during Argentina's last civil, mar... civil military dictatorship. 
Maxima met the Prince of Orange, Wilhelm Alexander, in Sevilla, Spain, in 1999. The two married in 2002, and the marriage was a source of controversy because of her father's purported involvement in the Dirty War. Hey, which we just learned about. A Dutch investigation found that while Jorge Zorgida was certainly aware of the atrocities, he was not likely to have been directly involved. As queen, she is involved in several progressive programs, including including a commission to involve more minority women in the workforce and a patron of the Orange Fund, which is devoted to promote social welfare and cohesion in the Netherlands. She's also one of the few persons of royalty that is a vocal supporter of LGBT equal rights. Okay, I'm in. That sounds good. As shocking as it is for a political figure, she's not on Twitter. Okay. Let's hear about the silver. The silver medal, somebody who I love, who I know you don't know about. Although he won the gold medal in the 2004 Olympics, professional basketball player Manu Ginobili takes the silver celebrity spot. A dual citizen of Italy and Argentina, Ginobili speaks three languages fluently, Spanish, Italian, and English. Ginobili was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs in 2002. Alongside Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, Ginobili has won four NBA titles. Four? He didn't win that fifth one? In San Antonio. Prior to playing in the NBA, Ginobili was a two-time MVP of the Italian League, a two-time NBA All-Star and future member of the Hall of Fame. Ginobili is the most well-known Argentine athlete not named Messi. Oh, or or Maradona. Well, probably that means current athlete. But yeah, he's still playing. And he was very flashy at his height. He's He was like uh, Messi in that he would do things that were just like other basketball players wouldn't do. He's a very flashy player at his peak. Dan, 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 you don't have to tell me. I'm a huge Spurs fan. I don't <laughs> care what what type of Spurs. That's fine. <laughs> You're in. You're in. Must be tough with all this Kawhi uh, Leonard uh, rumors about how he's unhappy. I have zero idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and the gold. Who is it? If you got this right, it's incredible. I'm, as I read, just just tell me. So right now, your hopes are 100%. Every time I read a stanza, just tell me what your hopes become. A monumental figure in history. Okay, still possible. 100% still? 100%. Probably already discussed in other segments of the podcast. No, but but I've been holding back because I was waiting for this section. So still 100%. All right, I'm, I'm going to skip over... The name, let's skip to the second part. His visage alone. <laughs> what, what, okay. What, what percent are you at? <laughs> just, just based on those words? 100%. 100%? Yeah, absolutely. I, this guy's visage is amazing. His visage alone has become an international symbol of rebellion and counterculture. Okay, 0%. I'm down to 0. I'm down to 0. <laughs> Can you guess who it's going to be? Uh, no, I have no idea. The gold celebrity. No, no I mean, I, I, I have some idea. <laughs> it's Che Guevara. Yeah, right, right, right. This is a terrible choice, Karsten. While the modern-day use of his image can show rebellion in a positive light, his place in history is quite controversial. As a medical student, Che was radicalized by poverty, disease, and hunger he witnessed in South America. He is most noted for his role in the Cuban Revolution, where he was second in command of Fidel Castro. There was a symbolic moment where Che traded his medical supplies for ammunition, the metaphor being that he traded his humanitarian ideals for an attitude of by any means necessary. As a militant, he was somewhat of an enforcer, a harsh disciplinarian who sometimes shot defectors. 
Following his role as a militant, he emerged as a revolutionary statesman of world stature, traveling all over the world as a Cuban diplomat. In 1964, he traveled to the United States to speak at the UN, where he criticized the U.S. policy towards their black population. Che was ultimately captured and executed in Bolivia at the age of 39. His legacy to this day is quite complicated. He has been called a brilliant revolutionary to a fanatical terrorist and everything in between. The image of Che's face has become as recognizable as the Nike swoosh. And almost anybody you ask will have a strong opinion as to what they associate his image with. That is why he is the gold celebrity. He is dead, so he's not on Twitter. But if he was, he'd have millions of followers. What are like the numbers for the Che Guevara like parody account? I'm sure it's also in the millions. Wait, you're, the suspense is killing me, Joe. Who's your favorite celebrity from Argentina? Is it that woman? Uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. Is it Avita? No, it's not Avita. Avita. Uh, no, Dan. The only celebrity that matters, Dan. We had a conversation in Mexico. We were talking about the whole Me Too movement, right? And I was asking you. We were talking about how stupid it is that people hear these terrible stories of things that women have gone through, and they're like, "Oh, but I love Louis C.K." And it's like, shut the fuck up. That's dumb. Like, who cares if you love Louis C.K.? He's obviously a deeply flawed person who needs to figure shit out, right? So I asked you, Dan. Hot take. Who's a celebrity that you would actually be upset about if they got embroiled in all this? And you said Barack Obama. Yeah. I agreed with that. Yeah. And And I listed one other celebrity. The only other celebrity that I listed. The current... Head coach of Tottenham Hotspur, Mauricio Pochettino, oh, who not only oh. is Argentinian, but who played for the Argentinian national team, and whose whose biography I'm reading right now. You're you're a big Pochettino fan. Huge. I feel I knew in some deep recess of my brain he was Argentinian, but that deep recess also didn't care. So I mean, can you can you count it if Carson didn't talk about it? Hundred percent. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Carson's been overruled. All right. All right. Look, Mauricio deserves it. Now, this is, I think, an interesting uh, poll question. But the problem is we can't list people. But as men are going down left and right, who it like, if this person went down, who would it like really alter your world? Like, I'm at the point where I think every famous man is a creep. But if it, if yeah. if Barack Obama was like abusing people, that would it would honestly like alter my 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 worldview. All right, all right, all right. How about this, Dan? I like that idea as a poll question. Let's let's um, throw Barack Obama out because it's obviously the right answer. Also, because it has like it would have severe political like implications because Donald Trump would be like, see. Like it's just locker room, whatever. Okay, so let's throw him out. But, and but then literally, you and I- three out of the last four presidents. Oh no, no, I guess um, three out of the last five because George W. Bush to this point is fine, but <laughs> Bill Clinton obviously bad, and uh, George H. W. Bush apparently likes grabbing women's asses. Oh, big time, big time. Oh yeah. Um, let's 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 off off air, Dan. Let's you and I come up with our top five most devastating, and then we'll have people vote on it. Well, I think we should, because the thing is, in Facebook polls, people can, like, submit their own. I think maybe, well, I'll have to figure out how to do that. I don't know if that's a good, we'll, we'll see if that matriculates out at the end of this episode. It's a good poll question. 
Well, wait, if people can write essay responses to poll questions. Well, they can um, just write I'd, individual responses. And then do people get to see that and vote on it or, or it just yeah, gets yeah. submitted to Have us? Have you ever been a part of a Facebook poll? No. Wow. <laughs> Look at you. You're so fancy, Joe. Jesus. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that at the end when we pick the new teams. Let's uh, keep focused. I mean, at well, this- I mean it, if people can submit their own poll answers, what I'd like to do is have people vote on on what the hell's going on in the Argentinian coat of arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear other people's thoughts without without them looking it up. I don't actually want the right answer. I want people to look at it and interpret what they think it is. But it's just going to be like HQ cr- trivia. They're just going to cheat. They're just going to cheat, Joe. Ugh, I know. People are the worst. Okay. Category eight. Lay it on me, Dan. We literally just did category eight. <laughs> well, it's hard. I don't I don't take the category. We just I, I don't did take it. the card. We just did it. I know, but it. we did it with the Joker, Dan. Okay. Category eleven. Let's talk about the kit. The national anthem, yeah. Joe. The national anthem. The origin story. The lyrics were written by the Buenos Aires-born politician Vicente López y Planes, and the music was composed by the Spanish musician Blas Parera. The work was adopted as the sole official song on May 11, 1813, three years after the May Revolution. The original was burningly anti-Spanish. The present much shorter (laughs) anthem, and it says much shorter, it still clocks in at four minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> the present much shorter anthem comprises only the first and last verse and the chorus of the 1813 Patriotic March, emitting much emotional text about the struggle for independence from Spain. The lyrics Something Daenerys's unsullied army might sing. Hear, mortals, the sacred cry Freedom, freedom, freedom. Hear the sound of broken chains. See noble equality enthroned. Like Uruguay, it is an exemplar of a Latin American epic anthem, which tends to be rather long, have an epic quality in the music, often containing both a quick patriotic section of music and a slower stately part, and consists of many verses, usually chronicling the history of the country. Fun facts. Radio broadcasters voluntarily perform the anthem at midnight, while TV channels do so before closing down their daily broadcast. The National Anthem appears at the beginning of the 1985 film, The Official Story, an Academy Award winner. Due to the excessive length of the official version, in international events such as the Olympic Games, professional soccer games, and the Rugby World Cup, only the instrumental introduction, which lasts one minute and six seconds, is played. So, Joe, let's brace for one minute and six seconds of instrumental introduction and then three minutes of anthem.
Dan, that was epic. I enjoyed it. You know, it is obviously the most like the Uruguayan national anthem that we've heard so far. It's it like has all these different elements to it where it is almost like a mini opera, you know, where there's like the upbeat part, sort of like the like bring it down and get serious part. Yeah. I think it's good. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I, I am beginning to like these. Um, I like the ones that like change it up. Like, no offense to the Polish one. Yep. But it didn't really, the Polish one was more of the same. These South American anthems, they really mix it up. They're going up to down to like the like the end part. Like, it, it, it almost to me is like a fireworks display. Like, you can tell by the tempo, like where you're at in the display. And they like totally. have the like totally. big finishes. It's great. But... In terms of the quality of it, though, I like I like what it's going for. It does not accomplish it or execute it quite as well as Uruguayan does, but it's still pretty darn good. I'm going to give it a eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. All right, two categories left. So what are we talking about? We're t- we're doing either the kit or the player to watch. History no. with U.S. Men's National Team. Great. History with U.S. Men's National Team. By far our stupidest category. Joe? History with U.S. Men's National Team is out. Yes. A, the research wasn't sent to me. I don't even care. And I'm subbing in food and couponing. Let's talk about food and couponing. All right. That's it. History is out. Food and couponing in. Argentina. Have Groupon. 15% 15% of people look up coupons in the country. That's compared to about 85% wow. of Americans. So wow. they're not That's as big still. of as a couponing nation, but couponing is a thing. As a country that is founded with many immigrants, especially from Italy and Spain, as well as fertile grounds for growing, there is a strong European Mediterranean influence on food. Meat is a main staple in Argentinian meals, beef being king, so... As 4% of all cattle in the world resides in Argentina. Also, Argentina is a leading producer in South America of honey. If you went to a sporting event there, you could easily get some empanados, choripan, sausage sandwich, or pizza. Argentina's food is the best of Spain, France, Italy, and other influences. Can't go wrong. So you're now giving a score for this, and I'm putting it in the number three category, but I'm going to pretend, you know, that's the number five category. How can you not give me credit for for meat as a chief export when what percent of the U.S. cattle population lives in in Argentina? The U.S. cattle, well, zero percent of, of the, the U.S. <laughs> well, I mean, is that they, a trick question? Well, they they export it to the U.S. I mean, of course, four percent, four percent. That's such a big percentage. Well, what percent of the beef population do you think is in the U.S.? Probably way higher than that. We have a, we eat a lot of beef. Yeah, but we ship it all from Argentina, those of us who can afford that sweet, sweet Argentinian beef. To be quite honest, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I eat a lot of beef. It doesn't often come from Argentina. Uh, okay, well, look. First of all, coupon in Spanish is el cupón. El cupón. Uh, yep. Uh, secondly, look, I love any country whose primary food is is beef especially because it i imagine it's often on a stick in various places in argentina i'm all in 
I they got to get their couponing percentage a little bit up. Let's say seven out of ten. Seven out of ten in the new repurposed number three category, which leaves us one category left. Rate the kit, Joe. What do we even need to look up the kit for Argentina? You know. No, I can picture it in my brain right now. You're picturing in your brain. We know what we're we're looking at these iconic white and blue stripes. We can picture it. I, I think their away kit is what the blue. Yes, as as predicted, their away kit is just the blue jerseys with the the stripes on the shoulders. But you know, the, the, it's iconic. The, the the white and blue stripes. Yeah, and if you look at their at their um, twenty eighteen version, the stripes are like a little bit faded, which is interesting, and they have these like. Um, Almost like military style lapel stripes as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, first of all, you know my my deep love for powder blue or celeste as they call it, uh, and also, you know, one of the things that we've talked about over and over again, what makes a great kit is how iconic is it, and the fact that like, yeah, you could. I mean, I think you've, you know, you've set this criteria before. If you're walking by a bar and you see on the TV, you see that jersey, you know immediately that Argentina is playing. Yep. There's no doubt in your mind. This is a classic kit. Everyone knows it. You see it all the time, even in non-World Cup years. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Which, Joe, leaves us with one final category, the drink, the Fernet, and you were drinking Fernet and coffee. I was drinking Fernet and ginger beer. The key thing is Fernet, which is the most popular drink in Argentina. And Joe, I see why. It's really, it's got everything your palate could want. I feel like we didn't do it tonight, Dan, but maybe when I uh, come down there in May, I feel like Fernet and Cola, if I get a Coke Zero, could be the fuzzy cola of this podcast. I think it could be. I mean, it's it's going to be different, but I, I think it's going to be different in the way that this podcast was different than the first one. That first one. Right, it's more international. It, it, that yep. was like a sweet treat. And the fuzzy cola is like, it, it's just that. It's peach snops, which is obviously alcoholic, but a lot of sugar, whatever. Fernet is not necessarily sweet. It, it, it's more complex. It's 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 yep. more nuanced. It's more, there's a lot more depth to it. But at the same time. Much like this podcast. It mixes yeah. with cola and boy. <laughs> if it weren't two in the morning, I'd be drinking more of this right now. But it's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's two in the morning. And I'm all hopped up on coffee and fernet, so yeah. I'm good. Look, uh, good cho- the difference between you drink. and me is I'm going to be waking up at like eleven o'clock, and you're going to be wake up at like six a.m. Yep, six a.m. on the dot. Uh, look, this is a great drink, no question about it. Nine, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. So. Argentina fills out at a staggering, a messy like 84.5, 10 points clear of any other team with the average score of 7.68, which again, the second place team, the best team thus far, when you awarded Portugal their trip into the knockout round at 6.68 average, we thought that was huge. Argentina comes in a full point higher on every score. So, 7.68. Say the word, Joe. Argentina's going through. Argentina's in. in. Congratulations. 
Now, Joe, our business is not complete. Let's pick the next five teams we're doing, Joe. So, of course, the next team we're doing is Serbia. That's already been locked in, but we're going to get the next five in advance so we can have our team of super supporters, Fan Emeriti, to, to help us with the research. Including now Emily, who's locked in on sending us food and couponing statistics. Joe? Yeah. Brace yourself. Okay, I'm ready. Here they are. Number one, Brazil. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Number two, Denmark. Oh, that's another good team. Okay. Number three, South Korea. I mean, great. This is number four, France. Oh, my God. And number five, Nigeria. We're, we're, we're picking all the cream of the crop. I mean, there's only going to be scrubs left. These, that's, a, that's a great lineup. What and it could not be more exciting as we're going to get into the number 10 through number 15 teams we're doing. How could you not be excited by this slate of teams? I mean, we've got two absolute favorites. We've got South Korea, a team that's known for making runs. Denmark, a team that qualified in Poland's UEFA group. And Nigeria, who we've talked about today and we're going to learn more about how this is going to be exciting. All right, Dan, two more pieces of business. First of all, anyone who's listening to what is now obviously like hour 47 of this podcast, they're a super fan, right? They're a super supporter. They're in. So what's the, what's the secret lounge called this time? The International the, the, lounge. The funny part about it is you actually have never been there. You, you don't know how to go there. JoePicksBuy.com slash international lounge. You're in. You'll see the special email address to email, which is just VIP at JoePicksBuy.com. And you'll see the poll question for this week. And Joe, what is the poll question? Dan, I want to dig into this crest. I don't care what you say about people. I trust the good natured, the spirit and integrity of our Super fans, they won't look up what it actually but means. But we don't I actually have the technology to do what you're saying. Should I, Dan, just, should I just make a Google form genius. where people can just submit whatever yes. they want? You're a computer genius. You can figure it out. I want to get answers. This is a, this is a poll. This is an a interactive essay version poll. What's your best guess about what the fuck is going on in that crest? Okay, so here's what you do. I will. I will – so before people cheat, I will pick – three or four different versions of it and put that up on the site. And then you're free to look at the search if you want, but don't actually look at what it's about. We will see the Argentine crest and you will submit what you think it is about. Okay. And as you submit, well, I guess I'll, I'll put your, your name there, but you can be anonymous if you want to. And if, if, if you are one of our dozens of new Argentinian fans listening for the first time, submit your best theory about like, what the best alternate thing would be, because you clearly know what it actually is. Well, all right. <laughs> or if Dan's right about a Santa hat, you know, let us know that too. The best alternate thing it could be, what does that even mean? Well, I don't know. Like, if you picture... You're telling right them somebody would... made this ridiculously specific crest, and you're saying, yeah. pick your favorite alternate version of it. Retcon. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is what I'm saying. You know, oh, all right, Dan. What do the stars on the uh, on the U.S. flag symbolize? The fifty wonderful states. Okay, now picture if you knew that that wasn't the answer. What's your alternative? What else could it be? And then you know, be creative, buddy. 
the number of Trump properties in the country. See there, see there you go. That's By exactly the way, what I, I want Argentina to do. The reason Puerto Rico and other things don't become states is just because they're up. They would like ruin the flag. Like I, oh, 100%. I hate the no, word fifty. I think, I think, I think what we should do is we should have like a one in one out rule. I think Puerto Rico should be in, but I think we can like I think we we can merge the Dakotas for sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's, let's just make it a single. Put Puerto Rico in is a single Dakota. All right. Anyways, wow. Look at this exciting five teams next. So if anybody has feedback about it, obviously our super fan Emeriti, they're going to have work to do. But this is really exciting. I mean, Joe, what an exciting slate of teams. And uh, uh, I, I mean, we, we, we couldn't have picked a better slate. It makes me worried about what's left, but but whatever. Yeah. Well, Joe, there hopefully we'll get to a point where we can just fast forward through whatever the remaining 10 teams are <laughs> so we can actually finish the podcast on time. But we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. All right, Joe. Good work. See you. Thanks, ya. Dan. Good night.